You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash Alpha Collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch. If you like to listen live and even participate, come onto stage, comment in our back chat, you can do that. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where... There is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or Come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space, and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Well, <clears throat> good morning, good morning, good morning. It is so interesting trying to do <clears throat> both at the same time, but I'm, I'm starting to get the hang of it. Starting to get the hang of it. Um, I see that uh, you know it's it's been interesting, Matt. First of all, welcome. Um, when are you getting married? In two days. In two days, and you're choosing to spend minus two with me for an hour. I'm honored. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. I, I um, I'm excited <clears throat> to do this. Very infrequently do I get to hear someone else read my book. What's well, great because you know, I mean, uh, we've we've had this beautiful um, common thread over the last, I'd say, week or so. Just you know, just talking about small rooms, intimacy, big rooms, networking, uh, but also like you know, content strategy and um, mixing things up. This week we tried on on Twitter Spaces. Um, it, I would say, it has been a resounding failure uh, in terms of uh, the the masses. Uh, flocking to us, even with all the promotion. Uh, and I can only think that, um, I, I think many things. I think maybe maybe there's shadow banning, maybe there's, um, maybe I don't have the juice that I thought I did on Twitter. Uh, maybe everyone's just become, sadly, uh, uh, submarine and submersive uh, machine experts. Um, <clears throat> and people flock to that. But, you know, I'll tell you that uh, two things. One, it's invigorating having real conversations with real people. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, people always forget that, you know, relationships, whether it's a spouse, you know, you're getting married to one human being, one woman. Um, assume it's a woman. Um, should never assume these days, but, you, <laughs> but, but it is a woman, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so you're, you're getting married to, to one person, one woman. You're not getting married to uh, 6.5 million followers, right? You're not getting married to uh, 145,000 fans. Um, <laughs> you're getting married to one person. And I think sometimes, you know, even though we look to expand 
uh, we have to like remember to like that sort of breathing is right the diaphragm we expand we contract we expand we contract sometimes you've got to go all the way down to one and uh, look at yourself in the mirror take stock um, sometimes you have to literally reduce it to one uh, or two and then and then expand um, so I'm glad you're here I'm sure more people will will pop in um, and that's that's another way to think about a cafe right um, you don't meet at a cafe or pop into Central Perk or whatever the case may be with a start time or end time. You pop in when it suits you, you know, mm-hmm. um, and maybe you're passing by, maybe you just only have 15 minutes to spare. Um, so I, 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 conceptually that helps me get through. Um, with that said, um, we haven't, uh, you know, I've mentioned it, but not in bigger circles yet, but uh, starting next week, um, we're going to be simulcasting, um, and you should know this because we're still going to do one or two uh, more sessions um, with you as we as we keep going through the book. Um, but we're going to move to Clubhouse. And we're not just moving to Clubhouse. Um, we're going to do it still in Discord. So we have a couple people in Discord today. Um, but um, we're actually doing it with and under the Startup Club. And so we're going to own the 8 to 9 a.m. spot. Now, Startup Club has 963,000 members. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, I'm not sure that Clubhouse has 963,000 people that are active at the moment, um, but I'm sure several hundred will. And so, I think next week, uh, well, let's you know, let's just talk about it. Are, are, are you? Uh, uh, let, let's talk dates at the moment. We don't have to make this like so slickly produced that it's like people. If people are listening to the podcast now, they can just fast forward a bit if they want, or they can just pretend they're in the room. Uh, are you are you with us next week? Amazing. Uh, I would love to rejoin on the 6th if I can. Next week, I'm going to be um, in a tent somewhere in Colorado. Wait, and you're telling me you can't do this from a tent? What, what you know... You have no priorities, my. <laughs> no, I, I, I could try. I thought about it, and then I was like, "Well, no, I don't." If you're on honeymoon, if you're on honeymoon, if you actually listened uh, uh, yesterday, Bruce Turkel, he tells the story um, of uh, you know being out with his wife, and uh, and they're with uh, and a, a woman says, you know, is with a husband. They're, I don't know if they're at a dinner or networking. Says, "How long have you been married?" And, uh, you know, they're both, you can, you can tell at that moment, both of them are like kind of doing the math. And Bruce thinks, well, it's 25 years, like, you know, and so his wife turns around and says 23 years. Um, <sighs> and, so, and, and so then I think the woman looks at Bruce and goes like, you know, looks to him and he goes, yes, yes, 23 years. Um, at that moment, uh, or afterwards, I think he says his wife kind of said, I can't believe you got that wrong. Um, I can't believe you got that wrong. We've been married 25 years. And Bruce, obviously, in this position, knew it, right? Um, and so, like, so there was that part of the story. But then he said, like, how he, um, he has since, and he gives this advice to anyone, he said, you answer the same way uh, with the same three words, whether you know the answer or not. And those three words are not long enough. Um, and, and he said, and it's at that point um, when the woman turns around and smacks her husband and says, "Why don't you say that?" You know, like you know, like why don't why don't like why don't you answer that? And so he says it's a win-win. So just remember, as you start off now, it's going to be easy. But uh, please, God, twenty years in the future, the answer, the correct answer, is not long enough. Not long enough. My my, my wish to you as you get married. So, uh, so yes, the sixth, which is actually my wife's birthday, but hopefully she will be sleeping. Uh, at this time, um, we will be back on Clubhouse um, with uh, maybe the last and maybe not. We'll see how we go for, for the rest of July, uh, but just wanted to let you know. Um, and there might be a few, uh, there might be a few more people because we will have been doing this, I guess, in Clubhouse uh, for about already like a week, 10 days maybe. Um, so hopefully we'll start getting a few more regulars. So I'm hoping to bring you some more numbers. And and besides that, Matt, you know, I mean, the beauty of it is you end up with this audio file, you end up with this transcript, you end up with this LinkedIn article. It's so much more valuable, you know, than, than just the live live. The live is cool, right? 
were live. I mean, there can only be one person reading it live. It's you know, um, but um, yeah, I've been I've loved this uh, this last month with you. Yeah, same. Thank you. I shall re-download the Clubhouse app so that I can join you. Well, it was so funny because you know it's something that I just wanted to say is um, you know I've I've now come across three people. And I'm saying directly that connect to what I'm doing that have uh, basically, um, uh, you know, uh, deleted the Twitter app. Uh, Two of our regulars here, they're not here at the moment um, on Discord, but they they refuse to move over to Twitter. So we're doing it in Discord and Twitter at the moment because of Elon and because of his actions and practices and then when we welcomed four new members to um, to Alpha Collective, one of them I noticed um, when when I posted it, their uh, their their Twitter at was not uh, linkable, and I was like, "Well, that's weird," because I went to their um, I went to their LinkedIn profile, and they had a Twitter bio. I mean, they had a Twitter link in their contact details, and then I went to that and saw that it's like you know this user does not exist. So that's three people now um, that have deleted the app. And, you know, it's amazing because you think, you think, oh, I can't make a difference. I mean, I think this probably gets beautifully into the, into the subject of coaching, right? Um, I can't make a difference. I'm just one person, you know. What's the point in me deleting Twitter out of protest, you know, um, like, who cares? No one cares about me and my Twitter profile, etc. Um, and here I've been affected by three individuals, none of which probably have even a large Twitter profile. Um, but you know, two of them refuse to move over to Twitter, and and one of them, you know, I'm linking to them to announce that they're part of Alpha Collective. And you know, I mean, that doesn't affect me as much. But if I'm trying to get their attention or acknowledge them, they're not going to be acknowledged. I'm going to have to tell tell the world or tell them some other way. So it just shows you that, um, you know, I suppose every coach probably has that moment, which is, is this enough? Am I enough? Can I make a difference? Um, How many times, I mean, how many times have you gone into coaching situations where they are absolute shit shows, where there's anger and frustration and screaming and crying and, you know, pushback and resistance and, you know, even being fired as a coach just because you're telling the truth and they can't hear the truth. Uh, it's not always, uh, you know, bunnies and puppies and you probably feel a lot deflated uh, afterwards thinking, you know, I-, I wasn't able to to break through. Well, I'm getting married this week and uh, coaching is like puppies and rainbows compared to... Uh um, bringing family and friends together for a wedding. So I kind of want to go back to work as soon as possible. Um, but yeah, I, <laughs> thank you. I decided to give you some special, you might as well have some special effects. What, what I, what I really love about this idea is, so I'm sure that today, given the section we're on, we'll talk about, um, our what for, which is our, our values. And as a leader, it's really easier as an organization or as anyone, anyone doing anything in the world, it's really easy to name and act like we live from our values. It's a completely different thing. It's a very courageous act, which we talked about a lot, to make decisions from our values because they're often unpopular. And so, yeah, I, I really acknowledge these folks for saying, for sticking with it, you know, because they're, uh, there's a risk of them being, um, left out of the group there's a risk of them being left behind there's a risk um of their relationship with you and saying no and so i I really applaud saying like i actually am i'm gonna stay here and i love you joseph yeah i am you know one one of the hardest things that i'm realizing now that i'm going through and down my coaching journey is the um is is kind of managing the conflict uh you know as eos would call it entering the danger and um i mean it seems it seems like there are two parts to it right one is the ground rules right setting up the ground rules at the at the get go so that there are no surprises but the other one is is it's all very well to say it but when it actually happens 
it's a completely different i mean reality is very different to theory and so that you know that's the other part the other part is just recognizing that well you said that this was a safe zone well you said that we could say anything well you said um that you were you know that we were going to be honest and open with each other but uh you know to quote uh to quote a few good men you want the truth you want the truth you can handle the truth and that must be the hardest part yeah man and the thing we forget is that um rules boundaries or we talked about last week containers they are set up so that people will um try to get outside of them we we think that when we and this is true when we set boundaries in relationships we think oh, i i told this someone my boundary they're they have to listen now well they don't have to do anything and actually the reason that we've set the boundary the reason we set the rules or agreements is because we trust that people will try to play outside of them and so then um, we can just expect that someone including ourselves often is going to try to work outside of them. And I think the real growth and transformation work is being able to come back to what we care about, knowing that there is a part of us that's going to try to step outside the line. Oh, I love that. That's a, that's a, that's a great quote. That's a really profound insight, which is we set, we set the boundaries because we know that people are going to cross them or attempt to cross them. And it could be inadvertent or not, but how do you know where the line is? <laughs> I mean, that's the question, right? How do you know where the line is? Well, you know where the line is by drawing a line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's quite profound if you think about it and obvious. Yeah, and it's the and I think that's the beauty of our work. Um, and as we talked about, we get to keep recreating that over and over again, and um, that's messiness of of um, human relationships. And so we get to play in that on a regular basis as coaches or as leaders. And we get, you know, if we're, if I'm a leader of an organization that's growing first, I get to do that with two or three other people. And then suddenly it's 300 other people and it's entirely a ball game. All right. So we are, I think, I think we're at coaching is GPS navigation part two, um, becoming their own GPS, but this is under the section of what do you want? Um, so, I'm going to talk about when I was in college, but when I was in college, I'm actually Matt. Um, so I'm now reading as you. When I was in college, I lived in Madrid, Spain for six months. It was before smartphones when I didn't have an on-demand account of where I was in the city. If I wanted to go somewhere new, I looked at a paper map and stumbled my way along across uh, along based on cross streets and visual memory. There were no Yelp reviews to help me find the best places to try either. Aside from my printed travel books or recommendation from friends, I primarily selected places based on emotions, how they looked and felt, my intuition or some other novel reason. Pizza cones sounded cool, for example, so I decided to try them. They were so-so. If some corner bar had a good vibe, I'd stop in, and the bar that was always empty was a place to avoid. It's funny, by the way, we've had such a long conversation about going to the uh, empty bar or the empty yeah. restaurant versus the full one. Um, but again, this is you know so interesting. It's just um, by the end of my time there, I knew the city quite well, almost intuitively. Uh, I could find my way around any neighborhood I'd spend time in, not always in the most direct route, but eventually. And while I didn't love every place I stopped in, I developed a great sense of what felt right for me and what didn't. A couple of years ago, I went back to Madrid and found my way to one, uh, to one of my favorite spots simply by feel. I couldn't tell you the street names, but I could take you there, even if the path includes one or two extra turns. Today, things look quite different whenever I'm out exploring. I pop some details into my phone's GPS, and it tells me where to go, or I spend 10 minutes looking at ratings before choosing which restaurant to go to my ability to navigate the city in which i live is nothing compared to my madrid days your client is like present day me they've been relying on something else as their navigation external sources expectations old patterns trauma accepting its direction and following every step even more in many cases that external source selects the destination for them 
They've come to you because they want something their current system can't give them, something bigger, different, new, more in line with their true self or a fuller expression of themselves. I am drawing a big box around that paragraph. Love it. Um, I love that for so many reasons because we've discussed, Matt, um, I mean, we're going to go back into this in a second, but we've discussed also the danger of GPS is that what it actually happens what actually happens is you forget how to drive you forget mm-hmm. you you lose your sense of direction because it's been taken away from you you're not looking at road signs anymore you're not using your intuition your gut and there are times when a sh- when your shortcut because you've lived there or because you've driven there every day is going to essentially beat the GPS um and of course people might say well how do you beat the machine will you beat the machine you know when the machine is not really built to anticipate i don't know an accident or or things that that maybe you do anticipate or have experienced before but more importantly um it is this idea and clearly the answer is is always going to be a little bit of both right if it can help us better cheaper faster but but when it but when we defer when we completely submit and defer 100% you know to in fact we discussed it um you'll see the the kind of the linkedin article that I summarized will be next week but we discussed the idea of of procrastination and decision and decisiveness and one thing that we found out and this is all from napoleon hills think and grow rich um is that you know people that have failed in life typically are following other people's guidance or opinion um mm-hmm. and and deferring too much too much uh to them as opposed to you know you should always defer to a degree but when you when you cede your most powerful weapon which is your free choice um you're doomed yeah i i, I um I, it's about feedback versus as you say just completely deferring to people right so so later we'll talk more about you know leaders who choose a path or a strategy directions and then don't listen to any feedback. And that's problematic in its own right. Um, but like learning to say, I'm going to choose from my knowledge, my knowing where I want to go. And then from there um, we can use machines or whatever help or continue with my intuition on the, on the um, best path. I, there's a place that I drive to in town often where there are two routes. They're basically, uh, I I go the slower route by one or two minutes, and it's on just side roads because I don't want to jump on 25 here in Denver because it's always a mess. And so I just know that it's much more preferable for me to take an extra couple of minutes so I don't have to go in that mess. Um, I'll, I'll make just one more quick point, and then we'll continue reading. Is you know we forget that there are also built into GPS choices. Um, and we don't, and we forget that there are there these options or these choices. For example, um, in the early days of uh, of Waze as well, um, you know there would be the fastest route, right? Or you know the one that uses the most um, highways, or with or without tolls. I mean, these choices are all there today, or scenic mm-hmm. route. And sometimes, just the ability to take three or four minutes, we forget. You know, and this is what happens when when Waze takes you through this really kind of like through all these side streets and sometimes really crummy neighborhoods, and uh, and it's all to save. It's because the not even the algorithm, but just because the the machine is saying this is the fastest route. You will get there one minute earlier, but at what cost? And mm-hmm. so the question comes down to: if we actually had the ability to say, you know what? I'm okay with a buffer of five minutes. I'm okay if if the choices I really have are between one hour, one, one hour, two, one hour, four, one hour, five, but one hour, five is the road that I take every single time. Of course, I'm going to take the one hour, five, the one hour, five minutes, because I know that route. There are less surprises. Um, and And I think that's, how we have to kind of, I mean, it's just such a rich uh, analogy. I know it kind of, you know, like we're talking, we're going to get back to coaching now, but I just think it's important to kind of 
frame that you know that that all these elements of gps can be internalized and contextualized for this coaching conversation love it i'll look forward to you writing a second book a companion book no no i just you know i just want to be able to read it (laughs) um (laughs) out loud um all right let's get back the trouble is their current system is extremely reliable They rarely get lost, even if the route and final destination are uninspiring, and they never take a misstep. So giving it up is scary. Your client is likely trying to make you their new external source for destinations and navigation. You're a brighter, shinier version of the current pattern. If you're inspiring, which you are, the destinations and directions you offer provide the promise of the bigger and different version of life they're looking for. That's a pitfall to look for. Your job isn't to replace their GPS. You're supporting them in becoming their own. Working with you helps them learn to give up external sources and become their own navigator. This includes them taking all the wrong turns, missteps, and dirt roads along the way. It also includes them learning to navigate by heart. And as you'll see in part four, turn their car into a helicopter, submarine, or spaceship when needed. Let's cross off submarine, unfortunately due to current uh, current mm. events um, yeah. and uh, you know the and probably spaceship as well if we want to if we want to like you know uh, uh, take off Elon uh, based on the conversation um, so yeah there are a couple of things here one is is their uh, current system is reliable but again it's like I don't know how much better it could have been so I think that's an interesting point. Their system works, but how well does it work? Do they know what they're missing out on? You know, do they know if there is a better route? When you go to Google and or even ChatGPT these days and you get the answer from ChatGPT, you know what I realize is like actually the biggest danger of them all is we are not even questioning the response we get from ChatGPT. You know, at least with Google, we have three or four choices to go with we typically choose one above the fold we still don't know whether there were better choices out there with chat gpt it's almost like you know waving the white flag um the other thing that you say matt which is just so important i'm learning this too now um, which is your job isn't to replace their gps you know this isn't you don't want to embed yourself typically into their organization you don't want to become codependent um you want them this is the classic teach a you know man to fish. Um, that's that is a coach I think at their at their at their purest, um, which is being able to empower them. And the point that you add here as well is that is that part of that is them making the mistakes, even if you know that they're going to make a mistake, even if you know the answer. Um, it's for them to figure it out themselves and making the wrong decision. Um, is going to come with learning as well. Um, wh- what do you do in the situation when you know that they're making the wrong decision and it's going to be a disastrous one? Then, then you do say something, obviously. Yeah, and I'll often say like, "This isn't coaching. This is how I think it might go. This is my prediction, or this is my, you know, this is my experience." Um, and like what was man a few things if it's an organization like a strategic decision for a company or organization um i'll offer that and i also get to acknowledge like i actually don't know that i'm right like that might be the wrong decision for me um but it might work out for them so again when in doubt um very much like uh, the folks we were discussing who said no to twitter I'll, I'll simply remind my clients. Okay, what are the values you're you're you want to approach this from? What are the what's the where is the place you want to come from in making this decision or choice? And um, let's also double check that you are emotionally clear about that. And so in, uh, I don't think we'll get to it um, in our reading, but we talk about being hooked. So anytime we want life to be different from how it is anytime we have emotions about things that should be different we're hooked and when we're hooked about that um we often cannot make very uh wise decisions and so the question is one where do you want to come from when you make this decision and two are you emotionally clear are you unhooked so that you can have a wide perspective and then choose from the best place 
And then from there, I often just, just kind of like give up my knowing um, because I could be absolutely wrong and often I am. It's a good point as well, which is how do we even know that we, I, I started from a position, you know, from a false assumption, which is if you know the answer, well, you don't always know the answer. Um, all right, so let's talk some more directions. This section is called, we're always moving somewhere. What isn't immediately evident in my simple GPS navigation analogy is that even when we don't have the map open or directions handy, we're moving somewhere. Our location on the map is always changing. Even if we don't have any destination in mind, the reality of life is that of constant change, transition, movement, and flow, even when we're uh, sitting still. We're always heading in some direction based on our beliefs, actions, and habits. It's like we're on a boat, we captain, we'll pause the car analogy for now. At times, we're consciously navigating the waves of life. Other times, we're asleep at the wheel. Either way, we're always in motion and always moved by life. The choice of whether we're consciously navigating the ship is ours alone. This can be a tough pull to swallow, yet it offers us the opportunity to become responsible for the direction we're moving and the destination we're heading towards. And we tend to make that truth a huge thing, full of pressure and meaning about us. It's some version of the old story that says we need to get it right. It's a very human thing to do, and it isn't the only option. Where does your client want to go? That's where we start our journey. It might feel to them like they're going from stagnant and motionless to running full speed, but remember, they're already headed somewhere. That feeling is less about the effort of beginning and more about overcoming the inertia of their current path. They're about to enter uncharted waters. Congratulations to them and to you. This is where the fun starts. Let's find out what's next on discovering what we want. What do you want? It's a radical question. I imagine revolutions born thanks to someone having the courage to ask it. Once someone really digs into this question, nothing is ever the same. What do you want? What do you really want? If you could have anything at all, what would you ask for? What would you like? What dream would you dream if anything were possible? Pause with me for just a moment and reflect on the sheer power of these inquiries. Notice what happens in your mind and body as you ask them to yourself. What are you present to? What images arise? What body sensations come alive? For me, it's often a combination of excitement and fear. It's the joy of bringing something new into the world and receiving something that feels good. It's also the trepidation of thinking it might not happen or being shut down for what I say. Depending on the moment, it might also be complete numbness, a blankness in my brain, the feeling of being separated from everything. It's quite a lot to be with. Think about the questions now in comparison to how many of us were raised. Uh, let me repeat that again. Think about the questions now in comparison to how many of us were raised. Oh, I got it. What I really wanted wasn't always a consideration when I grew up. I operated mostly based on what I might be able to get. I settled, navigated in familiar waters, and lived with a constant sense that something was just a little off. It was. There were parts of me that never had a chance to speak up. They saw that more was possible for me in the world, but because their ideas didn't fit into my narrow scope, I didn't listen to them. It's taken years to make room for more of what I truly want to come to the surface. And the bigger game I play, the more I discover things I've never seen before. What do I want? I want to keep discovering more, letting it out, gaining strength and courage in speaking it. What do you want? What does your client want? Well, this section now says your client might not know. I don't think I'm the only one hit with that blank, numb feeling. Just the other day, I was talking with someone about coaching, and they asked what I do if someone doesn't know what they want. Aren't we all afraid of that? Don't we all experience that at some point? Not only the not knowing, but the fear and judgment that come along with it. Am I doing it wrong? Your client might not know what they want. They might also have a few stories about themselves because they don't. They may tell themselves that something is wrong with them, that something isn't normal, or that they're wasting your time. Great! I know it might not feel great for them in the moment, but that doesn't mean it's a problem. 
you've established that they want to discover what they want. That it that in itself means they know what they want. That's progress and it barely took any time. Now, onto that discovery. It isn't about the answer. What your client says in response to the question isn't what's important. They might want ice cream today or a pink stuffed elephant or a... Uh, is that a billion dollars? Wow, that's a, a lot bee, of money. A B with a B. Wow, or a billion dollars. It's about flexing a new muscle, shifting perspective, and living from a new place. You're their trainer. When they're with you, they get to practice holding themselves to a new standard. And this standard says no more settling, no more accepting what's given without question, no more living small and hiding my truth. Starting now, I'm looking inside and creating from there. You're creating the space for them to put in the reps, ugly, slow, painful, confusing, consistent reps. This question is about shifting a context and living in a new world. You're helping your client move into an entirely new context for their life, from a receipt of others' desires and directions to the source of their own navigation. You're reminding them of who they are, a wise, divine being connected to limitless untapped power and potential. I mean, I guess what, what I'm hearing here is, is we don't feel we're worth it. We don't feel we're good enough. We don't feel we have permission. We don't feel we have the safety to dare to dream, to talk about big dreams, hags, big or hairy, audacious goals. Just put it out there, especially if people go, you're absolutely doffed. Um, not all of us, uh, not all of us are um, are uh, visionaries, right? Not all of us are risk takers, um, and and so just even being able uh, to dare to dream, right? To dare to dream probably is disqualifying for many people. We all have, and a little bit. We'll we'll talk in. I you know I wrote down probably ninety stories that we have about why we cannot ask for what we want. And we all have our own versions, and I, I'm sure I didn't cover all of them. And with those stories, we have judgments. And so, you know, what's hilarious, and one of the reasons that I put a pink stuffed elephant and ice cream right next to a billion dollars is that um, it isn't always the big things that we're unable to ask for. You know, for me, I can, I'm a visionary, I can dream big, but I often struggle to ask for a hug in a moment because I feel silly. Because and it's, and it's kind of the opposite reason. It's like I dream so big. Why would I need something so small? And and um, so in any direction in your client's life, my assertion is all of us struggle to um, speak to to honor something that we really desire. And the beauty of a coaching container, a coaching relationship, is we get to speak to it. And then once it's in the in the open, we get to say, "Do I actually want that, or is that just kind of hanging out, or am I willing to commit to shifting into the person who has that?" Um, because there are probably some things that, um, even when we like look to tune into our desires, we're are, we're going to pair it back as robotic, um, uh, you know, something we inherited from society. And we can take an honest look and say, "Do I really want that thing? Do I really need a seventy-inch TV today?" probably not or maybe or yes that would actually bring me extreme joy but only when we can take a really clear look at it can we actually know i mean there are a few there are a few amazing parts to it as well because and again you know i'm i'm ex, i'm exploring this now experiencing this now with eos which is like what do you want like you know we help entrepreneurs and business owners get what they want from their business what is that? Well, it could be a billion dollars. It's probably not a pink stuffed elephant. Um, <laughs> but it might be freedom. It might be peace of mind. It might be saving a marriage. Um, it might be waking up uh, less at 2 a.m. In, in a cold sweat. Um, it might be prioritization. But it's different. Um, and, and I think the first step is giving yourself permission um, and to to recognize as well that all goals are different. Um, so I, I mean, I, I really, I really love this. And then, of course, there's this idea of maybe we don't know, and maybe the reason we don't know is because no one's ever asked us, or we've been too afraid, or or we didn't believe that we deserved 
that we that we were good enough to be able to say this is what I want, or we're still just bogged down in the we just got to make payroll. And when you're bogged down in the day to day and you don't have the ability to take a break and take a pause and raise your head and zoom out, um, you don't see the wood for the trees. The yeah, amen. The other thing, and the next section is called, we need something to push against. Um, I haven't read this yet, but I'm fairly certain I'm going to agree with it because, well, let's read it and see. Um, A few years ago, I had surgery to repair my Achilles. I couldn't put weight on my leg for a couple of weeks while my foot was in a cast. The entire bottom of my leg, the calf, ankle, and foot had no stimulation the entire time. When the doctor removed my cast... My cough was the size of my wrist and my leg felt like jello. I couldn't believe how small and weak it had become in a span of just a couple of weeks. I remember getting home and spontaneously bursting into tears over the shock of it all, along with a loving desire to build my body back to health. This is the nature of how we humans work. We don't grow in space. If anything, we shrink. It's true not only for our bodies, but our minds and spirit as well. Challenges propel us forward, grant us new skills and perspectives, strengthen our resiliency, and form us into the, into the person we envision ourselves to be. I'm just highlighting this idea of we don't grow in space. If anything, we shrink. Uh, asking your client what they want or where they want to go isn't about them selecting the right thing. It's about them selecting their next challenge, the next mountain to climb, any mountain. It doesn't matter. Practice is the key. Your conversations are the training grounds for them to identify and go off to new challenges everywhere in their life. Remember, they're always moving somewhere. Without a target, they're floating in space. They chose you as their coach because they want something different. They want to grow. Hold the line. This part can get scary for your client, for you, They'll have a whole host of things they believe are in the way of of speaking what they want. Some of them are below. Love them. Love them enough to stick with them and continue to invite the question. As my coach often tells me, it's just fear. That's it. It's bound to show up whenever possibility does. Like an annoying twin sister, it hogs attention and prattles on constantly. This is the process. You've got this. You've got this. I I love that, that quote as well, right, about fear. Um, and possibility, um, you know, are like kind of joined at the hip or in fact twins. Um, that, that's a powerful, powerful thought, right? You can't have one without the other or you have to kind of wreck. Maybe sometimes, um, you know, one might say, I'm sure you would agree, that when you are, when there is fear, um, there is also possibility. It works the other way around, which is like, wait a second, what does this mean? This is good. I'm afraid, which means dot, dot, dot something there's something else there maybe i can't see it now but if i look hard enough and if i wait long enough and if i work hard enough i just might find possibility hiding around the next corner yeah it's like uh when we're in possibility and we're we're creating the sense of excitement or what might be next again we can simply expect that fear is going to show up pretty quickly and i love what you just said right if fear is here we can probably take a pause, a moment to breathe, and say, what possibility is the fear obscuring? Because um, it's, it's trying to protect us. All right, we have a massive list coming up, um, and it actually is perfect because I was about to say, the next section is called Why We Don't Know What We Want. And I was going to say, actually, when I see this idea of pushing off against something, I talk sometimes about an enemy. Sometimes the best way to know uh, what we want is to know what we don't want. And this says why we don't know what we want. So there's there's what we want, there's we don't know what we want, and then there's we know what we don't want. Um, and between those three, they help you triangulate. So mm-hmm. um, expect these obstacles to come up. Welcome them and see them for what they are. False evidence appearing real. Fear, right? False evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R. They're probably quite real to your client. That's okay. This list is written to you. See and love yourself in it first, then see and love your clients in it. Show them the list, invite them to identify their own stories in it, and then invite them to ask themselves what they want, even with these in the way. 
They can still see possibility in the face of fear. That's why they're here with you. You don't know what you want because you have either been taught or decided. So here it comes, not to ask for what you want. That's what you want. That what you want is too much and therefore you're too much. To just be happy with what you have. Not to dream too big because it might not happen. It's better to keep expectations low than to risk disappointment. It's bad to be told no. It's safer to ignore it than to actually look at it or ask yourself about it. There is something wrong with you if you know what you want but don't get it. It's easier to never actually decide what you want. Asking makes you weak. It's hard to ask for things. The world or universal people don't care. It's unfair to others if you have more than they do. The world doesn't give you anything without hard work. You have to do something to deserve it, and you didn't, therefore you don't. Other people deserve it more. Don't trust what you think you want in case it's not actually what you want. You'll just be disappointed with what you get once you have it. Experiences are more important than things. Frivolous things, trips, desires aren't necessary. It's only okay to want what's necessary. Good things come to those who wait and likely never ask. There are too many choices. You always choose wrong. You might choose wrong this one time. In order to receive, you have to take from someone else. We live in a world of scarcity. Getting what you want requires sacrifice. You're too lazy to get it. It isn't possible. The cards are stacked against you anyway. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. Wanting is not in accordance with the Tao. Uh, wishing for things is just a game for children. Imagining what you want is a waste of time and energy. All the good opportunities already taken. The world is cruel and dangerous and full of people who will try and take whatever you got. The government will take it, uh, will take it uh, uh, anyway. Money is the root of all evil. People will just hurt or screw you in the end. Asking for something from someone hurts them or puts them in a tough spot. You're needy or burdensome if you ask for things. You should be reasonable or realistic. Asking for things is unreasonable. It's risky or dangerous to even think about it, let alone ask for. People will think you're silly or stupid or weird, insert shit word here. You'll change if or once you get it. You'll have to change in order to get it. There is a limit to how much one person should ask for or receive. One day the other shoe will drop. It's better to keep your head down than to stand out. You'll end up alone if you get what you want. People will be jealous or angry. You'll lose what you already have. Having more things means also having more things to worry about. More money, more problems. Nice things are for other people. It's rude to take more than you need. The meek shall inherit the earth. Try to figure out what you think you can get and ask for that. There is significance to what you want or to anything on this list. Pause. I deal with these same statements too, though I'm sure interpretations vary, and they might all be true, but what if they aren't? What if we could choose to accept these or not? And what if we could also choose to accept something else instead? What would you choose? What might you ask for? So, I mean, my, my immediate reaction is, it is so overwhelming, that list, and it's also, and it's also so comprehensive. And then I think like, a, like part of me thinks, did you leave anything out? And the second is like, well, what is true if none of that is true? <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> yeah, my, um, my good friend Adam Quiney calls this like bankrupting a context. And the idea is we, when we start to like really see clearly some of these ideas we've grown up with, and we realize that they're empty, right? When we see it as a full list, it's like, oh, crap, I, I now have nowhere to run. And actually the question that you asked of now what, now what do I do is my favorite question. That's exactly what this section, this part of the book is about because it means there's a blank slate. And so we get to begin to create a new. So we say, what would I actually like to believe if any of all of that stuff is BS? What's the word? Is it bankrupting context? Yeah, bankrupted context. We just prove that it's worthless. Bankrupted. ED. As in, as in ing, bankrupted context. Yeah, I mean, it's and 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 uh, I'm probably it's probably true to say that there's uh, probably more <laughs> on that list, yeah. right? 
we, we all have our own versions. These versions, most of them are from the United States and from the Midwest and Michigan specifically. You know, these are a lot of the things that I grew up with that I see in the people around me. And I say that with love. Like we, they're, they're probably here for a good reason. And, and then we can also ask, if, well, if I could choose, what, I, what would I want instead? Well, I'm going to uh, – we, we have just uh, three um, pages, or at least these are larger texts. So I'm definitely going to get through this chapter and then see if anyone wants to come up and join, ask any questions um, of you. It's not their fault. Your clients might blame themselves for not knowing what they want. They might want to let it get in the way of doing any coaching work at all. They might run in circles for days, weeks, or years as they come to learn of their own power. It isn't their fault that they don't know who they are, that they forgot they're a magical being of cosmic power. They had a multitude of factors working against them starting before they were born on this planet. It all happened as their personality was being formed, as their brain was being developed, and before they knew what coaches even do. Invite them to drop the blame. There is nothing and no one to fault. Everyone was trying their best and things happened as they were going to happen. We've all inherited some of the stories above. That's why there are so many. It is their responsibility. You're a stand for your client living the life that's available to them. You're a window into what's possible and you're a mirror that reflects their infinite power back to them. I like those three things. You're a stand... You're a window and you're a mirror. Uh, Invite them to live a life without history. Invite them to heal whatever's in the way of that. Invite them to create from this moment forward, not their past. Responsibility simply means able to respond. Responsibility, able to respond. I didn't know that because response and respond. That's good. Uh, I like that. I'm just drawing a line there. Responsibility means able to. Is 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 that a is that a Matt Thielism, uh, or is that uh, is that just a a fact? Yeah, I st- I'm stole that from some ontological people somewhere. So should we not just give you credit? Can I just give you credit for it? Yeah, sure. I mean, we just look in the acknowledgments, and I acknowledge, I acknowledge that I I probably stole all of these from all kinds of people. All right, you're a good man. Uh, Responsibility uh, simply means able to respond. Helping your clients see that they're always able to respond. They're They're always able to touch the part of them that knows what they want. It cannot be lost, no matter how distant or shrouded it appears. Even when they try to convince you that they're incapable, that they don't know how, that they're a lost cause, look for their wholeness and you'll find it. Your job is not to bind to the story. Give them the gift of trust and let them grab onto it. When they're ready, they will. It's in there. Invite them to find it. Imagine for a moment that each of us has a universal truth running through us, like a little stream flowing through our body and mind. It's quiet, especially compared to the noise of the outside world and our constant thinking. But no matter how quiet it is, we can always feel it. Your client wants you to help them get in greater touch with that stream of truth. They want to hear their divine intuition. They know it as something for them, something that will change their life. Early in life, they probably put up a series of barriers to keep them from hearing the truth. The barriers were meant to keep them safe, and they did, but the cost was their ability to access this divine flow. Now, they might be tempted to throw away everything they've done and do the opposite, to fight who they've been in hopes that it will lead them to who they really are. Fighting doesn't lead to peace, however. Destruction for its own sake won't get them to where they want to be. We don't discover our quiet divine voice by cutting out the parts we don't like. It isn't by abandoning our shadows and fighting against our patterns that we find our truest expression. We become more of ourselves by actually becoming more of ourselves. Look at you with all these quotes here. We become more of ourselves by actually becoming more of our selves, two different words. We open the door and let them in. You are a guest house and your client is becoming one as well. Help them see the holiness in every part of them, the perfection in their current self and the beauty in their patterns. As they do, what they want will emerge. The sounds of their stream of truth will get loud and stronger. Soon, it'll be a raging river inside of them, shouting their truth on loudspeakers. Be a source of integration and the truth will come out. So this is basically the end of, of the chapter, but uh, I have two questions to ask you. The, the first one is, um, 
in no particular order. Um, w- what happens when you have a client that like kind of rebels against this as too woo-woo, <laughs> as too like, you know, flower power and, uh, you know, kumbaya and I love you and let's hug it out. Uh, and then the other thing is just, I guess, more of a statement, a build, which is I think what you're saying is what you want to throw out is all the doubt. What you want to throw out is all the all the limiting beliefs, if you will, but you don't want to throw out you. You don't want to throw out you. This isn't about a, a control-alt-delete, right? So it's not about erasing the past. Uh, it's about erasing everything that is holding us back. Yeah, I even think about it as integrating. And so if I see that doubt, I'm like, what, what is that here for? Where did that come from? What part of me has? And there's a lot of psychology in this and parts work and internal family systems and yada, yada um, that we can apply. The question is, so I have this, for example, I have this belief that um, the the world is evil and people will try to take my stuff. That came from somewhere. And so I can start to look at what part of me honors that and what part of me is getting in the way of really getting clear on what I want because I'm afraid that someone's going to take it away. And um, especially the last section, it's, it's not about saying like, oh, that part is bad and wrong and cut it out. It is how can I actually bring it in? How can I assume that it's going to show up and say, well, you're invited in, but you're not going to be able to drive the bus um, and I'll hear you. Or what fear do we need to work through um, this little part so that we can move forward? And so often I find that tenderness works and helps. And that kind of brings us into what if this is too woo-woo? Um, well, this book was written for coaches for the most part. So um, it's sort of like a secret language. It's like, this is what's true for your client. And then also speak to them in a language that they'll understand. And what I really love about this question of what do you want or where do you want to go is that it can, um, it can be applied to any part of life. And so I can speak in very specific business terms with someone who that's important to them, or I can speak in very specific relationship terms or physical health terms or whatever it is. And I, again, so long as I can be clear that if I'm pushing an agenda, they're not creating their own, their own GPS. And I can uh, personally, where I, this is where I can come from hundred percent love and hundred percent challenge. I can sit and say, Hey, you signed up for this. You said you wanted something different part of the process of you getting something different is declaring what you want. You can think of it in my way that you're an infinite being of, of power and potential, or you can say that you just like to fucking win. And are you going to choose to win? Are you going to choose to show up in your life in a way that you can win? So, you know, like there's a way to energetically or, or through language appeal to someone so that they can understand. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it, it's just, uh, I'm like, I'm just filled with, with possibility today and therefore fear. Um, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just, a, it's just, a, it's, it's, um, it's an awesome, awesome opportunity and a responsibility to, to, you know, to be a real coach. Um, and it just, you know, it makes me when I, when I, having met you and having read this book with you, uh, and through you, having had you on the show, <clears throat> having gone through EOS, I, I've, I'm filled with, um, and I'll use the word just because, like, it'd be, like, I, I have the emotion I have is anger towards all the people posing as coaches. <laughs> um, it's anger. It's the weirdest word. It's uh, it, because because you realize like this is, um, you know, professional driver close course do not attempt this at home this isn't you know if you, if you actually don't know what you're doing you can really do more harm than good you can actually create more codependence um you know you can create that um that perception rightly or wrongly that you know when people are going to therapy um you know the the therapist never says uh, my job is to make sure that that you don't come here anymore after a certain number of time. Like my job is to get you to take care of you um, and and put myself out of a job. I've actually always believed, by the way, not just therapy, but our entire lives should be spent to put ourselves out of a job. The The ultimate example is, is an oncologist. 
And every time I've spoken to anyone who treats cancer, the first thing that they say to me is 100%. I look forward to the day that I'm unemployed. Mm. So uh, at our core, we should always be trying to put ourselves out of a job on every single level. I don't know that there is even, I don't know that there's any profession for the most part um, that, that should say, no, 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 you, you should always need me um, or whatever the case may be. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's many exceptions, but to me, this is the most powerful thing as well, which is, which is the benevolent coach, the servant leader, um, is one that truly, if, if it is about their client, um, then it has to be always about their client. That's what I take away from all of this. I love this. And here's the good part that I'll sneak in to anyone who's listening and thinking about that. The beautiful part is as we live in greater service, our clients become more powerful, which means that their visions, their desires, what their possibility becomes more powerful, which means that the goals they're taking on are more challenging, which means that they need more support. (laughs) And so it's this funny way of if we are truly of service, we actually create more job security because people are trying to make more impossible things. Exactly. Well, um, congratulations, my friend. Uh, good oh, luck. Thank you. Uh, thank we, you. Will, we will see you back in two weeks' time. Um, for those that are here right now, I'm going to stop recording. Uh, but before I do, just say, you know what? Let's go to Clubhouse tomorrow. Let's see if we can sneak in and start it tomorrow. Just like we did uh, last Friday, we started uh, in Twitter Spaces. My goal was always to find uh, to have one new person enter the room Every day today, we didn't have a new person. And so therefore, it is time to move on, to uh, pick up our, our, our stuff and move on. So uh, see you on Discord tomorrow. See you maybe in Clubhouse tomorrow. I just got to see if I can clear it. Matt, go get married. Enjoy your tent. Uh, and we'll see you in two weeks. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.